Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Great to see you and to be here together. Um, for those who have not been here, maybe uh, in, or been here more than two years, um, you would probably not know our guest speaker who is uh, with us today. So I want to introduce our friend, uh, Steve Witt. Josh just mentioned him. And Steve, I've known for over 20 years, uh, been friends for a long time. He is on our board of this church. So he's the one member of our board that is not local, not a part of our local church here. He pastors churches in three campuses in Cleveland, Ohio. If you get a chance, you're in the Ohio, Cleveland area, stop by one of their campuses. It's called Bethel, Cleveland. You'll really enjoy it. Steve is a pastor, um, speaker, travels around the world, sharing, an amazing communicator, uh, author, uh, he wrote a book. I did, forgot to bring it up. I don't know if you'll bring your you bring yours up. He'll talk about it. We have a book table in the back. You only get one of those books, and there's magnets and there's bracelets. You'll hear about those in a little bit. Um, but Steve is an, an amazing guy. I'm so thankful for him. And uh, a year ago, this weekend, he comes every year. Uh, and a year ago, this weekend, he was supposed to be here. Well, this weekend, a year ago, if you remember, started the shutdown, and so. Two days before he was to fly in, had to cancel his flight, and so he didn't make it, and I had asked him to speak on something very specific when he's here that has really stirred me, that he shared with me, and so this is a year delay in this message, but it's really the right time. I felt like at the beginning of this year, one of the things the Lord put on my heart for 2021 was that this was a year of salvation. And I really believe it. I've, we've seen some already, and I believe there are going to be many, many added to the kingdom in 2021. I think something is just beginning, and I believe we are supposed to be a part of that. I was reading this morning in the scriptures, and uh, it just stood out to me. I wasn't trying to find this, but it just stood out to me when Jesus was with his disciples. He asked them, first he found the fishermen, right? And they weren't catching anything. And a couple of different times, he says to them, well, one is take your nets and put them six feet on the other side of the boat. You wouldn't think that'd make a huge difference. It went from zero catch to 153 fish by moving six feet. The Lord has ways of doing things that are different than how we would think or do things. Another time was to fish in the middle of the day when you're not supposed to be catching fish. He had them go out in the deep, drop their nets. They caught something. God knows how to do stuff. And even when the experts who are experts at what they do, Jesus can do things that just change. And, and super, certainly there's a supernatural element to this as well. But when he called to these fishermen after he taught them how to fish, basically, or showed them to fish in a new way, he then said, I will make you fishers of men. You are going to be catching people from now on. And that is the calling of every single person. It's, it's me, it's you. Ephesians 4 makes it so clear that we're all in the ministry. Do you realize that? Look at your neighbor and say, you're a minister. 
We are all in the ministry, every single one of us. We're equipped. In fact, the, the leaders like myself in this ministry, my job is to equip you to do ministry. And that's part of what Steve is going to do today. So let me get him talking. Steve, come on up and let's welcome Steve Witt. All right. How's everybody doing? This feels like the Starship Enterprise up here. This, is this new? Is this here last time I was here? Wow, well, it's impressive. I feel like I should be going somewhere with it, you know. It's, anyway, hey, it's good to be here. I've, I've been trying to get here for a year, and I made it. I actually, I, uh, I went to, uh, I, I was on vacation when the lockdown came, you know, the famed lockdown, and I actually kind of got stuck in Florida for two months, so it was, it was rough, you know. But I kept, every day I got up and said, Lord, I... I just want to lay, lay down my life for you. This is where you brought me, so I'm going to enjoy this. And uh, so I miss coming up here. In fact, I was supposed to be here in December of 2019, some kind of opposition to me coming here. And uh, I had to go get open heart surgery. So I, I, you know, I decided, you know, am I going to go meet with Matt or uh, have open heart surgery? And I decided, you know, it tells you about my relationship with Matt. I, I went with the open heart surgery. It was like, and uh, I found out I had a birth defect. You know, it took 64 years to discover it. Uh, aneurysm in my aorta, and they patched it with some bovine. Nice piece of cow uh, put on there, and I, I move periodically. But uh, other than that, I feel great. I mean, I, I realize now what it was not like to not, what it was like not to have energy. And uh, so I got this thing and I'm, I'm doing really well and I've been through so many challenges in my life physically that I get up every day and just say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it even when I lose an hour the night before. So, you know, but with a church called Awake, There should be a real spry attitude here, you know. In fact, if you know, you know, I was a business trainer for a while, so let's stand up just for a minute. I feel like we need a little bit of stirring. I mean, the worship band. Worship, worship is about, you know, building the throne of the Lord in our midst. It's also about waking up the church. And, uh, and so that's why sometimes they're kind of rousing songs, maybe a little louder than what you prefer, you know. Uh, but it's, it's meant to stir your heart in faith toward the Lord. And actually, the songs are meant to be theology preached to a people through song. So uh, our basis of what we believe a lot is what we sing. I just read an article recently. It was a secular article, which means it was not a sacred Christian article. It was secular. And, uh, and they, they said that people that uh, what culture has lost, they've lost the art of singing. Now, I never thought about it because I go to church all the time, you know. I, I'm a pastor, you know, so I sing a lot. And uh, I thought, well, that's, that's true, people. We've kind of lost that in our culture other than, you know, what you're listening to, you know, on, your, uh, on a podcast or on uh, your different devices and so forth. Uh, but uh, we don't sing. But it said that people that sing often live longer. So today, you extended your life by singing this song. 
But I'll, I, I want to make sure I'm kind of into, into joy. I love joy. I love happiness. I love, you know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of suffering, but I've had a lot of it. And I, I, even through that, you learn to be joyful in the midst of it. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For thou art with me, and goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I mean, that's the Christian life. But sometimes when I was a trainer, for, I was a business trainer nine years, I got a group that was a bit dull. And so you had to work on it. These are business people, and they were typically at the top of their game, but they were coming into the particular course that I was a part of as an international course. We had nine different courses. We had, I was certified in three of them. And what we do is we, we get them moving because when you move, it energizes your thinking process. When blood flow continues strong, then you're, you're ready to hear something, you know, and digest something into your very mind and soul, you know. So what we used to do, we had about 30 of these things. And, you know, I've done these before, but I haven't been here in two years. So this is for newcomers, but we're all going to participate together. And you'll be able to tell your friends, you know, we've been doing this for years. It's really kind of weird, but it does work, okay? So we would do this. I'd get in front of a group, and I'd go, act enthusiastic, and you'll be enthusiastic. Act enthusiastic, and you'll be enthusiastic. Act enthusiastic, and you'll be enthusiastic. Am I enthusiastic? You bet I am. Those are really simple, simple words. <clears throat> now we're going to do it. And, and what I do is I watch the crowd... And those who do not participate, I assume, want to come up and help me. So, so what you need to do is we, we kind of dig deep. You got to, I mean, you got to really, got to get into it now. This is, use every ounce of drama that you have in your life. If you need a Bible verse, what would be a good Bible verse for this? Uh, a cheerful heart does good like medicine. Okay, we'll do that uh, Okay, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead can quicken, quicken your mortal body. All right, so everyone with mortal bodies, be thou quickened right now as we do this. Everybody ready? I'm watching. Act enthusiastic and you'll be enthusiastic. Act enthusiastic and you'll be enthusiastic. Act enthusiastic and you'll be enthusiastic. Am I enthusiastic? You bet I am. Okay, let's do it one more time. I just want to make sure you got it down. So this one, this one is, you know, there's different things you can work on in this whole uh, activation, but one of them is, is intensity without getting too loud. So we're going to whisper this one, but we're going to whisper it with conviction. All right, you ready? Act enthusiastic and you'll be enthusiastic. Act enthusiastic and you'll be enthusiastic. Act enthusiastic, and you'll be enthusiastic. Am I enthusiastic? You bet I am. All right, lift your right hand, put it over your left shoulder, and say, good job. All right, you can be seated. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad I kept my day job. <laughs> wow. All right. Oh, one other thing, commercial. Um, I wrote a book. Another book, Your Prophetic Life Map. And uh, I actually did some of the seminal teaching on this at Morningstar years ago, and then it developed into a course, and then and I did it all over the world. And, uh, and then I thought, well, I'm going to write this stuff. So I did a lot of research, and I wrote this basically to help people get centered in their lives, to 
align themselves with the purpose of God for them. Uniquely crafted God purpose in your life. You're different than every other snowflake out there. And, uh, and God has a purpose and a, a passion for you. And I, I did a lot of study on uh, some of the early life of Jesus. You know, there's not much out there on it, but it's fascinating when they take the culture of where Jesus came from. And I talk about that, how that for 30 years, Jesus aligned himself to a very temporal purpose. He was probably a part of a father-son team, you know, you know, Joseph and son. And he was a carpenter, but not a carpenter as you know it now. He was more of a craftsman in the sense that he dealt mainly with stone probably. But he did work with uh, wood also. And I have theories that every parable in the New Testament that Jesus gives is a personal illustration. Uh, I think that, because most ministers do that. Rabbis do that. You share from your life. And so when he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, he made some yokes in his lifetime. And he probably got comments on those yokes like, this is a, my cows do not complain. It's amazing yoke you made. And that doorway, he said, I am the door. Well, he had made many doors. You know, think about it. He probably since age 12, he worked with his father. So that'd be Oh, and that'd be added up, Matt, for me. What is that? That's 10, 22, that's 18 years. 18 years. Uh, then when he turned 30, he became a rabbi and started tra tra traveling around and built a little team and all that stuff. But here's some things I just noted about Jesus in the book. He had intention. Jesus had intention. This, this life we live is a fluid life, but it's not without purpose. We do what we do because we know where we're going. Jesus had intention. He was a builder. Jesus had worldwide dreams. Jesus invested in eternity. He taught disciples around him for beyond uh, his legacy time when he wouldn't be there. Uh, Jesus gave others purpose. Jesus loved children. He actually cherished and protected them. Jesus did miracles, and Jesus resisted dead religion. And so I go into talking about, you know, there's this fascinating theory uh, that I kind of believe. Jesus lived between Sea of Galilee and the Mediterranean Sea. And it wasn't a great distance either way between uh, where he was in Nazareth to travel over there. And likely his father and he would leave the day after the Sabbath and they would travel to other places to get work to craft, to build homes, to whatever it was that they were building, and sometimes would probably spend the entire week away from home and come back on the Sabbath. And so there's theories that the reason that Jesus was able to sleep in his boat, Peter's boat, when the storm came, is possibly because he built it. Now think about that. If Jesus built the boat, Jesus had relationship with the disciples prior to what we read in Scripture. He knew stuff about them. He had been watching them in life. And that's why it was so simple for him to go up and say, follow me. Some people go, well, he didn't vet these people properly. That's why you end up with a Judas. And Peter, you know, he was a problem. You know, no, no, he, he had vetted these people. He had been watching them. These communities were not huge. He had been over but see a Galilee many times, probably saw them fishing and everything else. And Jesus was, was a somebody who had amazing purpose right here in this world.
but continually understood that what, what overtook that, what transcended that, was the eternal purpose in our hearts. Right now, we're in a time in American history where we're being tested on many sides. You know, sometime this summer, we're going to have a mask burning, I'm hoping. <laughs> really, I want to get rid of mine and never see it again. <laughs> like, I'm not going to hang it on the wall or something, go, I remember that. You know, I'm not going to do that. I'm getting rid of them, you know, the whole stack of them. I got camo ones, you know, all kinds of them. I'm getting rid of them. But I, I think we're going to burn it. Right now, though, right now, though, we're in a place in history where we're feeling the freedoms we had, legitimately so, being bordered and corralled in for a period of time. In fact, in the realm of talking with people about Jesus outside of your home, <laughs> this has been a tough year. 2020 was difficult because no one really wanted to talk to you. You know, they got a mask on, keep social distancing. You think about it, we were, we were, well, we were locked down, locked in, shut up. Well, we shut up, shut in, shut out. And then you ever shut you can think of. And, and it's brought us into this crunch culture. And it's now difficult. There's a desire inside to break out and to hug somebody, you know. And, and that day's coming, I really believe. But this whole thing has boxed us in, and it's made us very more private and closed in, except for a couple people. And you think, how is evangelism ever going to work in this culture? Well, I'm going to present that to you. It's what Matt asked me to come and do last year, and it was at the beginning of the lockdown. And I'm, in some ways, I'm glad it's now, because this, right now, is an amazing opportunity provided by the Spirit to talk with people on the street that you do not know. And I, I hate saying on the street because it sounds like a special mission. I've had people in my church come up to me and go, I want to go out with you sometime when you do that thing you do, you know. And I said, well, no, I don't go out and do it. I'm just living my normal life. I'm in lows. I see a guy that has problems. I talk with him. I think I better brought it up a couple years ago, one that really was a seminal moment for me was when I was in uh, uh, Lowe's in Florida and I uh, was looking for some insulation for a place that we were staying in. And I went up and talked to uh, a lady who was uh, like a, um, one of the ladies that worked at the uh, uh, checkout up front. And she said, you know what, let me just show you where that is. So we went on this little walk, you know, this African-American woman. She's just, she's very enthusiastic, you know, and, and we're walking along and she knows like everybody in there, even the, you know, the regulars that come in and buy stuff. And so she sees a guy named Joe and she goes, Joe, how you doing? He goes, well, not very good. So, you know, I'm with her. I'm her partner, you know, we're going to find some insulation. And, and she said, well, what happened? He said, well, I was getting these pipes down here. And one of the pipes rolled down a copper pipe and hit me in the head, right there in my head. And he had kind of a little sore spot in his head there, you know, and he's upset, you know. She goes, that's terrible. She's a very good customer service. She goes, you know what? Go up to customer service. They'll straighten this out for you. We'll figure something out. That's horrible. Don't want that to happen, you know. And so I looked up and I asked him a question. And I'll tell you the story of how this happened in my life in a minute. But I asked him the question I ask everybody when I'm out there, when I encounter people and feel that God is really telling me to speak to them. And sometimes even when I don't feel God is telling me to speak to them, I speak to them anyway because he's already told me to speak to them in the word of God. So, you know, I, you got to work that out. But anyway, I, 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 I asked him, I said, hey, are you, a, are you a Jesus follower? I found out you can ask that question in any circumstance. 
And it totally shifts the conversation. And within two minutes, you are at the gate of their soul. It happens all the time. I've been doing it now for three years. I never did anything like that before. I didn't really like evangelism. I like getting up front, talking to people. Maybe they receive Jesus, maybe they don't. I go out and get a latte, I go home. You know, it's just my job. But this was like full-time, uh, 24-7, seven days a week, everywhere I talk to. I go, I've gone up to the guys that were uh, guys you wouldn't normally go up to, and I just interrupt them. Excuse me, uh, bikers, you know, bikers are always fun. They're out there in their motorcycles, you know, and you go up there and go, excuse me a minute, you know, and they see this guy coming up, they go, what, was he one directions or whatever? And I ask him, are, are you Jesus followers? And boy, you get some really interesting conversations uh, out of that. But within a very short period of time, and I'll tell you in a minute what their usual answers are. I've now done this probably over 300 times. Everywhere, doctors, hospitals, um, Paneras, uh, everywhere I go. I'm not obnoxious about it. I don't force anything. I'm just doing an ongoing eternal survey. Are you a Jesus follower? And so uh, I did it with Joe at Lowe's. He goes, well, yeah, I'm a Jesus follower, you know, but my, you know, my head's hurting right now. So, well, Joe, would you mind if I, if I prayed for your head? I'm not going to touch you or anything. I just want to pray for you. Open eyes. We'll just pray for you. Well, yeah, yeah, okay, you know. So I prayed for him. And uh, it's funny, I, I started praying for him, and I just said, Lord, touch Joe's head right now. And the lady who, uh, Lakeisha, who came with me to show me where the installation is, when I started praying for him, she goes, in the name of Jesus, we agree together right now, Lord God. I mean, it, I turned around like, Lakeisha, you're a, you're a Jesus follower, aren't you? Oh, yes, I am, you know. She's rebuking devils. She's doing the whole thing. I thought, you come up here and you pray for him. It's amazing. So we're going away, and she goes, I got to tell you my testimony. And she started just pouring out her heart to me. She was, she'd seen two people raised from the dead. I mean, I'm like, I'm coming to Lowe's more often, man. <laughs> and we're witnessing. We're talking to people. We Finally, we, we didn't find the insulation, actually, that I wanted to get all the way up at the front. I was in there over an hour. I get up back up the front, didn't get any of the stuff I came in for. But wow, what a minute. I tell you, Lowe's and Home Depot are like ministry havens. Everyone in there has a problem. <laughs> They're trying to solve. <laughs> and maybe word of knowledge, you go, that's aisle four. I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, you... I get up front, and she's, we get back to the counter. I did get a few other things, you know, that I, you know how it is. You go in for one thing, you come out with a bunch of other stuff. But I'm there, and she's adding it up, and, and she's saying, you know what? Can I just come over there and give you a hug? And that, Now, there's people in line, you know, behind me, and I'm up there just paying for my stuff. But we've got a relationship now. We've been ministering to people all over Lowe's for the past half an hour. And um, we're up here and paying for this stuff. She comes out, she hugs me. She says, I just want you to know, this is why I work at Lowe's. I work for moments like this, to see people touched by the power of the Lord Jesus. I mean, I left there. I mean, I'm, uh, uh, now, you know, if I get discouraged, I go to Lowe's. If you're feeling low, go to Lowe's. And you're going to get encouraged. But what happened was, about a year prior to that, the Lord started dealing with me in a very unique way. And I'm going to read a scripture here that kind of refers to that. But let me ask you a question, first of all, before I go on. And we'll be done here uh, about, about a half an hour, just so you can time it, make sure. But uh, 
Um, how many of you, and I want you to be honest about this, how many of you, this is North Carolina, and I know it's a little bit different than Ohio, you know, we're a bunch of reprobates up there, but down here, this is like Bible Belt kind of a place, you know, everyone's a Christian down here, but how many of you have had somebody come up to you, let's say in 2020, since we're done with 2020, how many of you had anyone come up in 2020 that approached you to evangelize you, to see if you would be like to come and know Jesus Christ or, or something like that. Not invite you to church, but literally try to convert you because they don't know you. Maybe at a grocery store or wherever. How many of you had at least one person do that last year? Raise your hand. Okay, raise, keep it raised a minute. One, two, three. Three people. What does that tell you? Let's go back a little further. Thank you. Let's go back a little bit farther than that. Let's go all the way back. Let's say in the past three years, that'd be 28, uh, 29, 18, 2019, and 2020. I mean, you probably remember the moment. How many of you had somebody in the past three years come up and try to, I'm not, not a Mormon or Jehovah's Witness, but, but a Christian person come up to you and try to get you converted? How many of you had that happen? Raise your hand. Okay, so keep it up a minute. Because one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. About 18 people out of the hundreds that are here right now. The point is, it doesn't happen very often. In a Christian nation, in a Christian state, we read yesterday, what is it, 73%? 73% of people in North Carolina are believers. <laughs> not, not a lot of them go to church, nor read their Bible, but they believe in heaven and they believe in hell. So we have a, a non-mobilized army in North Carolina. So we're going to look at Scripture in just a minute. What we, and I've done this everywhere I've preached in the past three years. I asked them the same question I just asked you. We typically get less than five people that have had someone come to them. Now, in 1970, it would have been like 90% because there was an energized base called the Jesus Movement, touched by the Holy Spirit, and they could not help but talk about the one they loved, Jesus Christ. So look with me in Scripture right here, and I just want to give you a little bit of basis for this, a background for it. In John chapter 1, I love John 1. I don't know what this is. I, uh, it's the singing pulpit. If you can't hear it, you're blessed. Uh, John chapter 1, I love this passage. I probably preach out of John 1 more than any other passage in the Bible. I, I, it'd be the top three for sure. This, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a, a New Testament version of Genesis 1 and 2. And John, as you know, John is not a synoptic gospel. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic. The optics look similar. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you can do parallels. John comes along and he's like, Behold the Lamb of God. I mean, it's just a whole, it's a whole different atmosphere. It's more mystical. It takes a little bit of interpretation. Oddly enough, though, Billy Graham picks the book of John to give to everybody because it just clearly speaks to the passion in the heart of Jesus Christ in ways that the other three Gospels do not. So in John chapter 1, it says this, In the beginning was the Word. And we know from Scripture as we read it that that Word is a a, uh, another name for Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So it references back to Genesis 1, and uh, I, have to, I think I have that right here. Let me just read it because it's important to, uh, here we go. Uh, I put it in here in case I needed it. Genesis 1 verse 1 through 3 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. See, the Spirit of God loves moving in darkness. So it hovered over the waters, and then God said, so what did God say? What's the first thing he said? Let there be light. The gospel of Jesus Christ and the experience that you have in your heart is meant to turn you on in the Spirit. That where you go, you become a carrier of light. I'm reading a book right now. It's called Live Not By Lies. Amazing book. It's a manual on Christian dissidents. You might want to read it sometime. It's a bestseller. It's really apropos to this moment right now. But in that book, he talks about sacred space. And he has a convincing argument, which we all kind of believe this, we just don't think about it, that you in Jesus Christ, become sacred space. You are the temple of the Lord. In fact, Paul says, I think it's in Ephesians, speaking to the church, the gathering of believers, that you are a temple of the Lord also. So it's like a bunch of little temples coming together and forming a big temple that God is weaving together. And so from that, you are a carrier, and where that temple is, God, a temple, in this case, is for the filling of the Holy Spirit, so you become a carrier of the presence of God everywhere you go. Now, just think about that. Wherever you go in a day, you are carrying the awesome presence and power of the Holy Spirit with you that has energized you to do all things in Christ Jesus. You are not limited. So when you move into a dark place, that's why right now when people are full of fear, there's massive suicide throughout our country right now. There's emotional difficulties and challenges because of wearing masks, because of, you know, fear of COVID and, and uh, you know, all the other things that are going on right now. And domestic violence has skyrocketed. We have riots in the street last summer and, and uh, pillaging and all kinds of things. I mean, it's, it's been a year of just great stirring and great, it goes to the bare metal of who you are as an individual, and I got to tell you, most of us are not doing very well in this thing. Uh, even myself, man, I, could, I had days where I was just like, I could feel the looming sense of desperation, and I'd have to fight my way out of it, you know. You use the Word of God, you use worship, you speak in tongues, you do whatever you can do to get out of that, but you feel the pressures of that right now. In this moment, I'm telling you, there's no greater time in my lifetime, there's no greater time now to, to take your stand and open your mouth and begin to speak to other people. So that's not my personality. It is not my personality either. I can be very outgoing up here in a stage one-on-one. -on -one, I can shut right down, you know. I'm just not a, not a big public person. I mean, I'm, I'm public like this, but not, I'm not pri privately connecting with people on a regular basis. So it took the Holy Spirit to convince me. And, and what he did was I had a dream. I shared it here a couple years ago. 
And in the dream, I call it the flap dream. I had several dreams in 2017, 2018 that were pretty significant. Anyway, in the dream, I was going around with a rabbi. This is in my dream. And we were somewhere in the Middle East. We went to a number of different places. And he would just, in the invisible realm, he would pull back like a tent flap and it would reveal a place where treasures had been stored in, the, in this secret place. And so he took me in, in the dream. It was pretty wild. I walk in the dream and I, I intuitively, in the, you know how dreams are, you can do anything. It, I intuitively felt like uh, I was in the, the secret place of God. And I naturally looked up. And when I looked up, the entire ceiling was feathers. I was under the wing of God. <laughs> yeah, so it was the secret place. It was the hiding place. It was the place of protection in the Lord. And so in the dream, I'm fascinated by this, and I'm asking the rabbi all these questions. Like, oh, what, what, why don't I know about these? He says, only the righteous can see it. I thought, oh, all right, well, that says something about me, you know. Only the righteous will see it. Everyone has the opportunity to see it, but you've got to know that it's there. You open it up. And I said, well, where are they? He said, they're everywhere. You mean I can enter a secret place right here? Yeah, you can. And there's treasures in there. He said, during Nazi invasions, the Jews stored, this is in the dream, the Jews stored all their treasures in these secret places. I'm like, what? You know, of course I woke up and, and I just thought, what a wild dream. And you know, I thought, well, it must be about prayer. It's about the secret place, about being in the presence of God. But what happened is three weeks later, I was in a Panera. And in that Panera, I was sitting there studying uh, something related to what I'm talking about. And I look up and there's two ladies, older ladies that had come in and sat down. And, and I could tell they were in an in-depth discussion that they were either a, a, a very close friends or whatever. I don't know. They were, they, you could just tell the body language. They're in a tense. And the Lord told me as I was studying, he says, get up and go over there and pray for the lady on the right. She has cancer. And I'm like, I, I don't know. You know, I, it's Panera. And then I was reminded that Panera means time for bread. I thought, oh, Okay. So I got up and I walked over there. This is not what I do. This is, I'm, I'm not given to this. I'm not, I don't, I'm not trained to do this. So I walked over there. I was pretty nervous about it. I walked over and I said, excuse me. They said, yes. And I said, uh, uh, I feel like God sent me over here to pray for you, that you have cancer and he wants to break it off of your life. This lady, she was probably in her early 80s. She grabbed onto my arm like someone drowning. She held on to my arm said, please pray for me. And then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God came on me in Panera, you know, and I rebuked the enemy. And I came in, I'm praying out loud, man. This is not like, you know, you know, keep quiet, social distance kind of praying. This is 2018. And I, I just said, I rebuked that in the name of Jesus. I, Lord, I, I ask right now your power come down upon me. I felt this flow as if one of my arms was touching her because she was dragging me into her. And the other arm was holding on to God and the lightning was going through me, you know? And it was just like, <laughs> kind of a thing. And they're both weeping. They're crying. I'm weeping and crying. And they just look, no, I don't, I don't do this. I do it up here. Like I do it up here in the front at the end. If you want prayer, you know, I'll pray for you and we'll believe for God. But out there, I just don't, I don't do that a lot, you know. And so out there, I did it. And, and she looked up and they said, who are you? I said, I'm Steve Witt. And I turned and left. <laughs> I didn't know what else to do. I had no training. I went out in the car and I sat there and I wept for 15 minutes. Now, I wept for this reason. I wept, and every time I tell this story, I feel it again. But I wept because I had never felt the intensity 
of the heart of God for other people that are around me on an everyday basis. I just never felt that. I mean, I knew God loved them and there was great compassion for them, but I felt the heart of God in that moment. I felt like I'd entered into a secret place that I had dreamed about. And I went out there and I said, Lord, I was serious about it too. You know, when you get emotional, you say desperate things. Later on, you might regret them, but anyway, you do it. And I said, Lord, I'll do this. If you want me to do this, I didn't even know what that was. I said, if you want me to do this, I'll do this the rest of my life. I have never had joy at this level in my life. Amen. The full surge of heaven. I mean, I say full surge. Who knows, you know? God gives you the full surge. You're dead. You're in heaven. <laughs> but I felt the power of God. I, thought, I don't know if that lady got healed. And, and, and I hope she did. But I know one thing. I got transformed from it. And, and so I just started do, interrupting people. I didn't know what to say. I just said, hey, you know, do you need prayer? I, you know, I don't know. I didn't know. And then one night he told me, he said, ask them if they are Jesus followers. And I said, okay. I started doing that. Out of the 300 I've talked to, I've had two, be two people reject me out of 300 people over the past three years. And so I just started going up to everyone, say, hey. And I, I got clever at it, you know. I didn't go up and say, hey, I'm doing a spiritual survey, and I wondered, you know, what religion are you? I didn't do anything like that. I didn't carry a clipboard with me, you know, or iPad or something like that. I just casually, I'd be standing in line, and I, in fact, I, I was at a Panera. I told this story two years ago, but it's so good, I'm going to tell it again. It's been repeated over and over again. I'm at Panera, I'm getting my tea, and I'm there, you know, stirring a little bit of honey in it. There might have been some sugar in there, but anyway, I'm stirring it in. And, and there's a lady next to me doing the same thing, probably in her early 50s. And you know, you know how it is when you're up at the counter and you're stirring, getting, getting your tea ready. I've got an appointment coming up, and, and I look over at her, and without even thinking, I said, you're facing a very big door in your life. And then I went back stirring my tea. <laughs> she said, what did you say? And I said, you know, this is your opportunity. You go, oh, nothing. I, I don't know. I do these things periodically. It's... It's kind of like a burp, you know, it's just, I say things. Like, <laughs> I said, I said, uh, I turned around with confidence and I said, you're facing a big door in your life. And I said, in this door, you faced this door many times in your life, but you failed. You didn't open the door. You didn't open the door. And now you're at this door right now and you're saying, what do I do? And I'm telling you, the Lord's telling you, you're going to open this door. It's going to open up an entire, and she is like, she goes, Frank, come over here real quick. She calls some other guy up. She goes, do you know Frank? And I said, I don't know you. I don't know, I don't know Frank. So she said, tell Frank the story. I tell Frank the story. He wasn't impressed. Frank's like, oh, whatever. She goes, that's something. Do you know those group of people over there? And she points at a table with about four people over there. And I said, no, I don't, I don't know them. She goes, well, here's the deal. Those are all my business partners over there. We are having a meeting right now because we're facing this big opportunity and we don't know what to do. And I came up here and you turned to me and just said, you're facing a big door. And I, I think, I kind of think that's something. And I said, well, all I know is that you, and I always weave the gospel into everything I do. Unless there's no time, you know, if they're working and they've got a quick, I don't want to get them fired. But I, I said, well, here's the deal. Jesus loves you with an eternal love. All along, he's been wanting to lead you into a greater life in God. And as you open this door and you walk into it, you need to know that this is a moment that Jesus wants to encounter you in a special way. That same day, I was walking out of that Panera and there was a lady manager 
<laughs> this is crazy, but a manager interviewing a potential employee. And I walked by and the Holy Spirit said, you need to tell her to hire this girl. I'm like, oh, it's not, it's not my, none of my business. It's not my, I'm just, I did, I did my, I did something over there with that lady there. I'm done, I'm done. He said, just tell her. And I walked by and I felt the Holy Spirit like he had lassoed me. He'd got a hold of my stubborn heart. And he, I literally, I couldn't, I knew that I was quenching the fire of the Holy Spirit. So I turned and went back and said, excuse me, I just walked by you. But, and they're looking up at me like, sugar's over there. I mean, they don't, they don't know what's going on. And I said, I, I just felt something about this lady that you're interviewing. Are you the manager? She said, yes, I'm the manager. And I said, well, I, I just, I think this woman is going to show up time on time and do an amazing job for you if you hire. And the manager goes, well, there you go. There's a recommendation for you. I don't know if she didn't have any recommendations or what. I said, God bless. Have a great day. And then I got out of there. So what are you doing? You are sowing seeds. And you know what I did? I went months of sowing seeds before I reaped the harvest. Now, sometimes I can sow and reap in the same moment, but in one sense, and I'm not saying this glibly, in one sense, it doesn't matter to me because I am sowing seed. The Holy Spirit, one Marine, you know, in Chick-fil-A, it was that same period of time. One Marine in Chick-fil-A, uh, he got his meal, you know, and he's very, you know, military proper, you know, he's probably 22 years old and he had his Chick-fil-A stuff, you know, and he's getting ready to sit down and I just went up to him and said, hey, can I ask you a question? He said, what's that? I said, are you a Jesus follower? He said, no, sir, I'm not. I said, well, are you interested in following Jesus? He said, uh, well, I, I, I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm getting ready to eat here. My friends are here. You know, he's, he's trying to like, get, get away from me, please. You know, he didn't say that, but I, I got the vibe. I said, okay, okay, I get that. I said, would you mind? Now, this is, this is the first time I did this. I do it all the time now. I said, would you mind if I plant the seed of Jesus in your heart? I didn't know what that meant. And he said, sure. So I went like this, like I had a seed. I went like this and I put it right on his heart. He had his Marine outfit on there, uniform. <laughs> put it right in his heart. I said, in the name of Jesus, I plant the seed of Christ. I made it like a formal thing, you know. I plant the seed of Christ in you. And then I, I prophesied to what it would do. And I said, and may that seed bear fruit and passion for Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. And then when the time comes, when this man knows that you are speaking to him, may he give his life fully to Jesus Christ and then his destiny be unfolded before him in Jesus' name. He said, thank you, sir. And I walked away. I started thinking, I like this. This is fun, man. You kind of make it up as you go. The Holy Spirit just gives you stuff and it's you know what? Now when I go into a restaurant or something, I feel a commanding presence. I feel like I'm, I'm a light carrier. I'm carrying light in the midst of darkness. And in America right now, there's great darkness in people's hearts. Let me finish this John, John uh, 1 thing. It says in the beginning, of course, uh, was the word, word was God, uh, word was with God, word was God. Jump down to verse four. It says, and in him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, but the darkness does not comprehend it. So not only does God do it then, but he brings light. Light in the Bible over and over is revelation. Revelation 
Even in Acts chapter two, they got revelation that day when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Peter, who denied Christ three times just a few, about 30, 40 days prior to that, 40 days prior to that. Now the Bible says, takes his stand, lifts his voice, and says, he gets revelation about all of it, says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. 3,000 people come into the kingdom of God. Because the lights were turned on, these are men walking around with fire on their heads. Walking around with the energy and the power of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter to me what your personality is like. I know what my personality is like. And I'm telling you, he can turn your personality around. You're still who you are. But the light is going to begin to shine among men and women. And you are going to be a redeeming deliverer in people's lives all around you without being religious and without being weird. The number one response that comes from people when I ask them if you're a Jesus, are you a Jesus follower? Is they tell me the denomination that they belong to. They say, well, I'm Methodist. I go, and the Lord told me early on, he's training me. He told me early on, he said, agree with that. I mean, when they say they go, you know, comment, compliment them on it. It's all good, that's great. I've heard a lot about the Lutherans. I've heard a lot about Methodists. Yeah, that's a good thing. But that's not what I'm asking. Oh, what are you asking? See, there's a religious spirit upon America. We're aligned with buildings or churches or priests or pastors or whatever, but we're not aligned with Jesus. And so you immediately turn, you get, turn that page. And then I found people want to get off. I had one guy, only one guy off 300 or so. What do you think about UFOs and aliens? I said, I don't know, but what I do know is that Jesus is after you. I told it to that guy, and he said, well, that's kind of scary. I said, no, he's after you with his love, and you know it. And then see, in this moment, you click in. God will give you, I'm telling you over and over, he will give you words of knowledge. He'll give understanding. He'll give you special insight into people's lives. And all you have to do is just share that. Just share what you see. What you see, what you hear, what you sense, what you feel in that moment in the spirit, you just share it with them. I t- a lot of people ask me, they go, well, why are you asking that? And I, so I tell them what happened. I go, well, I looked over here and I saw something on you. Now, I didn't literally see it, but I, I immediately saw something about the person. I don't know how to describe it any other way. So I tell them, I either say I saw something, I heard something, or I intuitively received something. Out here in America, everyone wants to know what you're going to say next. I haven't had one person say, I don't care what you see about me. Not one person said that. Every time I say that, they go, you see things? I do. (laughs) Try to be as creepy as possible. (laughs) I do. What did you see? Well, see, now they've opened, they're they're commanding the conversation. They've invited their, their open heart. And at that point, it's the woman at the well. Man, I love that illustration. I just taught about it probably a month or so ago. The woman at the well in John 4. You know, it's, it's amazing. Jesus goes to a city that he should not have been in at a time he shouldn't have been at the well and talked to someone he shouldn't have talked to. And he went through there basically because it was a shortcut, but most good Jews would go around Samaria. They were in a place called, uh, nicknamed Sukkor. And Sukkor meant lazy city. It was like kind of a lazy thing. And they were, they were living under a, 
a, a dreaded place, and people kind of had an attitude, a lot of sarcasm and stuff there, you know. Jesus walks up to this woman of the well, you know, and, and starts this conversation. And what does she do? She wants to get into a religious debate about the, the Mount Gerizim or, uh, or the mountain in Jerusalem, Mount Zion. Jesus, Jesus kind of moves through that, deflects over, and then says, where is your husband? She says, I do, not have a, I, I, I do not have a husband. And Jesus says, you speak truth. In fact, you've had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. By the way, that's a great little biblical verse saying that you can live with someone that is not your husband is not appropriate. The one you're living with is not your husband. And she gets kind of freaked out by this thing. And what happens, she eventually goes to the entire city and tells them about it. A bunch of them come out and meet Jesus. And then they say something like this. They say, you know what? We, we didn't believe this because of you. We're believing it because of what this guy said. I mean, he's, he's touching an entire city with one encounter with a woman at the well with a big Starbucks sign over the top of it. And that, when they went to the place, he's going to the place where people are and he's just carrying on a conversation with them and lives are being transformed because of him being a carrier of the light of God. So his life was in him. That light was shining into them. One last verse I want to look at here is in 2 Corinthians. Turn to 2 Corinthians. There's so many verses on this, but first in chapter 4, verse 6. I've got just a few minutes left here. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Try it out when you leave here today. Wherever you go to eat or whatever, Chipotle or whatever, just go in there. Someone's standing in line. I was in a line in a restaurant one day and there was these two ladies standing there. Uh, the, the place was packed. There was no seats. And these ladies are grumbling about it. They're, I mean, I'm listening to their conversation. I'm behind them and they're like, well, you know, it's never been like this before. I come here several times a week and we just walk in and get a seat. I don't know what's going on here today, but this is a right. And managers should, maybe there's, didn't bring enough people in. I mean, they're analyzing the whole thing, you know. And they turned and looked at me kind of like, they didn't say anything, but it was kind of like, what do you think, you know? And, and uh, I just turned to them and I, I said, uh, hey, are you guys Jesus followers? <laughs> and their whole countenance changed. They go, oh, yeah, and they told me the church they went to. It's a good church. Like, even Jesus followers have issues. In fact, I figured out that 40% of the people I talk to are believers. And I find out they need ministry. So I'm going out there every day just minding my own business. I'm not only winning souls into the kingdom of God, I'm, I'm getting sheep back into the fold because they're leading. There's a whole lot of Christians out there really discouraged. And so you just go, I prophesy. I had Christians hug me. This is pre-pandemic. Christians hug me in all kinds of different restaurants because they're getting free. They're getting delivered. What are you? You're a priest in the street, fired up by the power of the Holy Spirit going out and meeting people. Giving out light, 2 Corinthians 5. Last thing, verse 12. For we do not commit, now let's jump, we'll jump to verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge this, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should, know, should live no longer for themselves, but for him. That's every one of us who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard 
No one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, turn the person next to you and say, I'm in Christ. Just tell them that. All right, this is for you then. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That which you've received, you are to give away. And then he gives more detail here. He says, now then, oh, let's see, make sure, right? verse 19. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God was pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I love that last verse there where it says, as though God was pleading through us. There is something about the Spirit of God wanting to get out of you. There's something about, you know, I told this story a couple years ago, but it just came to me. You know, my, my one, I, I got three daughters and a son. They're all in their 30s. And they got grand, we got grandkids and everything else. But uh, two, of, two of my daughters really like dogs, so they have dogs and you know, we, a, lot, a number of dogs over the years. And my one daughter had this long-haired dachshund. And she got him from, you know, the Animal Protective League. He'd been in the pen a long time. Nobody had adopted him. And so when she adopted him, they said, he, he doesn't bark. That's kind of like an ideal dog, I think. But, you know, they, they, they were concerned about it. Said sometime when a dog's been in the pen a long time, they lose their bark. And, uh, so she brings him over. He's a sweet little dog, you know, beautiful little dog. But he doesn't bark. His tail wags, but does doesn't bark. So some of him works, but that didn't work. And I'm looking over at him. And Cindy, my wife, brought me this this uh, cheeseburger that she had just made. And so I'm sitting there at the table eating the cheeseburger. And the dog's right there looking at me, you know. And I look, and I, I'm not I'm not a dog person. I have nothing against dogs. I love dogs. I think they're great. They're probably angels. I don't know. But anyway. I, I, I don't have one, so I'm just not, but, so don't judge me for this, but I took a crispy part of my bacon and, and gave it to Marvin. Marvin was the dog. And uh, as soon as I gave that bacon to Marvin, he went, oh! <laughs> a dog that doesn't bark, barked. In fact, my daughter ran in and said, what was that? I said, it was a bark. She goes, who barked? I mean, <laughs> well, it wasn't me. She goes, no. She told me, she goes, no, Marvin doesn't bark. And I said, he does now. She goes, what did you do to him? And I said, I gave him a piece of bacon. She goes, give him another piece of bacon. I gave him a piece of bacon. He went, woo. I mean, he, he barks on demand, man. It's a, and and, I, and I instantly, it's just how my mind kind of works, but instantly she said, what happened to him? And I said, he had an abaconing. And the Lord talked to me after that, and he said, you know what? The body of Christ in America needs some bacon. There's something, we've lost our bark. We've lost our ability to really speak out, to be bold. God's given us something right now. I believe there's a moment right now where the Lord's going to, there's an impartation. He's taking you into a secret place. 
There's an empowerment that is meant to be upon you. It's probably already there. We just need to call it forth because where you are, you are possibly the only person that is holding the doorknob to the door that opens to eternity for the people you work with, your neighbors, whoever it might be, whether you like them or you don't like them, it's not the issue. You have the eternal favor of God upon your life. He has reconciled you through Jesus Christ to God. And then he said, here, now I'm giving you the ministry of reconciliation. So here's the pointers I want to give to you before I pray over you and let you go eat some chicken or something or bacon uh, out there. By the way, we have these uh, little wristbands out there at the table. They're free. R-U-A-J-F. I wear those almost all the time. It does draw some attention. People go, hey, what's that mean? You know, I even have a shirt that says follower that I wear. And people go, what, what are you, who are you following? I mean, they, they fall right into it, you know. And I, I follow Jesus. Are you a Jesus follower? Oh, uh, no. Well, you, I got the T-shirt. Anyway, <laughs> you're a carrier of light. Here's, here's my 10 points real quick. Number one, learn to share irrefutable truths. The, America is not used to irrefutable truths. But when you say something like this to somebody you do not know, I know one thing for sure, that God loves you. It stirs something in their heart. It unlocks something in their heart. One thing for sure, that God has a destiny for your life. It's a sure thing. One thing for sure, that you can know that you have eternal life. You can know, put it in terms they understand, you can know that you're going to heaven. Well, how can I know that? I mean, you throw that out to someone, they're going to ask you more questions. Because not everyone is assured that they're going to heaven. And most people are, running, are walking around with heavy condemnation, heavy guilt upon their life, and heavy fear upon their life. And you are out there as a priest in the street to speak into their lives. So you learn to share irrefutable church. God loves you. God's seeking you. He's working in your life. I tell some people that. He's been working in your life, hasn't he? All people answer yes. They, they've been aware that something transcending their life has been working in their life. So that's number one. It opens doors for you to share. Number two, share specific words of knowledge. The church, my theory is, the church is the place we're supposed to practice. So the reason we have prophetic teams and things like that, so you can practice here and get this thing down because when you go out there, the team's not going to be with you. Matt's not going to be there with you. So you practice here, you get sure of the gifting that God's given you, and then you take it to the streets. So I, I know one person I, I talked to, and I said, I saw a, that one day said, what do you see? And I said, you know what? Um, that's very biblical, by the way, but what do you see? And I told him what I see. I said, I saw like a twisting vine in your life that was creating stress. Oh my gosh. I, I don't even know what it means yet. But it means something to them. People immediately translate what you're saying into their life. You say, well, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm telling you, it happens every time. It's only two times that I've had a problem. Even one time I had a guy who would not look at me. He's looking out the window like this. And his girlfriend was kind of mocking me, you know. And I just kept talking to him. I just kept talking to him. I'm telling you, he turned around. That guy turned around. God really touched his life in a powerful way. But he opened the door. He didn't want me to stop. I could tell. So I just kept communicating. I mean, if I feel I'm being an annoyance or something, I back off. I am not there to annoy them about Jesus Christ and to turn the door off. But so I'm very sensitive to their body language. I watch them. Not that I'm afraid of it. I just want to serve them. I'm there to serve them. 
So number two is share specific words of knowledge. Number three, opening lines. Finds an opening line. Are you a Jesus follower? Uh, there's an open door in front of you. What is something different about you? I've said that over people. I see something on you. Uh, something different about you. Uh, you know, I never say that to a woman. Uh, I'm very careful around women because I don't want them to think I'm, you know, putting the moves on them or something like that. It's really not like that. But I do everything very openly in public so even people around can hear it. There's witnesses. I speak loud enough that people can hear me around with what they're saying and they're curious about it. And again, I find that people actually, Christians, will start praying for you that are there in the circle without entering into the conversation. Uh, it's amazing. You'll see what the Spirit does outside the, the church walls. Number four, actively planting a seed. Always plant seeds. Sometimes you'll harvest. Sometimes you won't. Sometimes you'll sow a Christian seed, the seed of Christ that's in somebody. You're just there to water that seed. And you're watering that seed. And other times you will reap a harvest. Number five, sow, water, reap. I just said that. Discern the moment. Discern where you are in the field that you're talking to. You say, how am I going to remember all these things? Well, you can listen to this over again. But, but you write these things down and you learn how to discern where people are quickly in their lives. Number six, do you want to simply, do you, the way you change it after talking to them for a few minutes, you go right to the core. There's nothing, no mystery to it. You say, would you like to receive Jesus now? And I usually qualify it. I go, this is not a spooky thing. We're going to keep our eyes open. I don't need to touch you in any way. I just want to know, do you want to know Jesus Christ? And they will say yes. Some will say no. Some will say, I'm not ready. That's fine. I'll let them go. I'll say, you know what? They're not quite ripe yet. You need to sit on the back burner for a little while. God's going to send someone else to you. Number seven, use the powerful name of Jesus. I sowed the name of Jesus into every conversation because there's mystery attached to the name of Jesus. When you speak the name of Jesus, it's not just a name. When you speak the name of Jesus, it, it, it bores into the heart and it awakens certain part of them that may have been dead for many years. Number eight, Sermons and verses on winning souls. I love, you know, if you want to quote scripture, you do that. I usually modify script. I don't modify it. I, I put it in my own words uh, and uh, uh, tell them uh, various scriptures that are very important, like the, the Roman road that we've been using for years. You can use that. Scripture is very powerful. Nine, create an atmosphere by talking about Jesus. This has happened to me many times where I'll be with someone, meeting with them at like a Panera or something like that. And, and we, we just talk confidently and normal voice, but other people can hear us about Jesus. Some people are afraid to do that. I'm not anymore. I start talking about Jesus. We give testimonies to one another. It's this way of passive evangelism. We have had uh, one time when one week we had, had two people come over to us, one guy named Jorge. Jorge came over and said, I just heard you guys praying over here. Are you believers? I said, yes. He said, I am too. Like he was louder than we are. And I said, and so the guy I was with, we began to prophesy and get words of knowledge over this guy right there in, that was in Starbucks, in uh, Starbucks actually. He got ministered to and it got so loud. I said, hey, Jorge, we need to step outside here. Let's step outside. We went outside by the door. People coming in saw us praying and prophesying over this person. You go, I don't think that's right to do that. I'm telling you. Take the light out into the streets. 10, seek constant help from the Holy Spirit, a boldness to stand, and uh, he's going to give you everything you need in the midst of that. Let's all stand together because we're getting hungry. <laughs> all right. Now, there's a ton of verses I could have read to you. 
Matt referred to, you know, fishing. Jesus told his disciples, you've, you've fished, but I'm going to make you fisher of men. Now, we've got it in our head that this is only for certain people. The evangelist, you know. Actually, the evangelist in Ephesians 4 is an equipper of the saints for works of service. He's an equipping evangelist. He stirs up others to evangelize. Every one of you in this room has evangelistic qualities on your life because the gospel is in you and it's turned on the light in you. And you even have, this happened to me at the airport. I had people come up to me and they, I get a lot of this. I don't know why. I just must have a common face, but people come and go, in the Cleveland airport, someone came and said, are you Fred Grimes? I said, no, I'm not. But it's a key opportunity to talk with them about Jesus. I had people come up and say, are you in radio? <laughs> I don't know why. They think I'm in radio. I, mean, I have a radio voice. I don't have a radio. I got a radio face, but I don't have a radio voice. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and they do that, and I have a theory about that. There's an attraction that people, certain people do not understand, but they think they know you. And so they come up, do I, do I know you? I had a, a, a accordion player at a French restaurant in Florida. He looked over at me. He's playing these songs, you know. He looked over at me and said, God's got an amazing plan for your life. That's what he said. I was stunned by it. And I said, he does for you too. Playing the accordion here at this French restaurant. It's going to be there. No, I started talking to him about it, and we got into conversation. And then two tables down, this whole table come over, and they go, are you guys Christians? I said, yes, we are. And they said, well, we're from Cleveland. This is in Florida. I said, I'm from Cleveland too. We started talking. They go, well, our daughter goes to your church. And I'm like, oh, well, okay, what's her name? You know what I mean? This is in Florida, just a little remote place down there. There is the spirit of God's moving. When you take the stand, special forces start moving in. You're going to feel connection. All It's really unique in America. There's a lot of Christians out there, but they're muted. And we see this awakening take, this awakening take place. It's going to cause something where there will be a vibe everywhere you go and you will enter into that vibe. If you would like that, just hold out your hands before the Lord right now. Just a reminder, I got my book out there and also we have these bands if you want to get, they're free of charge. The books aren't, but the bands are. Get one on your way out. But I believe for an empowerment right now, it's as simple as that. Over and over in scripture, I could show you over and over again, the commands, the mandates, to go into all the world, to preach the gospel everywhere you go. Have it on your lips, ready to speak. It is such a joy. There is no greater joy, I'm telling you, than the winning of souls. When you win someone to the Lord, you are hyped, man. You are ecstatic. It is like, it's just amazing. It's got to be close to the lottery, winning the lottery. I was just like, whoa, whoa, another one enters into the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray right now for everyone that has their hands out right now. Doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter your background. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit and commissioned by Jesus himself, touched by the very Spirit of God. You've got the Father in your heart, the loving Father. You are seated in heavenly places next to Jesus Christ. Go in and light up a room. Back in the 70s, someone pulled a cigarette out. I need a light. I need a light. Someone said, I got a light for you. They light it up. Right now, believers are going around with your little Bic lighter. And you're saying, do you need a light? Do you need a light? I'm carrying the light of 
of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, right now, what I experienced that night in that dream back in 2018, I ask, Lord God, that would be upon every person in this room, you would give them an encounter with God that brings them inside out, where they just, they, they realize, I'm doing stuff. What I'm doing right now, I've never done in my life. Never in my life. This is, I wish I'd have found it 30 years ago, 40 years ago. But I speak right now, the very power of God to come upon you. It is there. It is there. But you've got to step into it. You've got to open your mouth. When you open your mouth, I'm telling you, it will be filled. Ask the next person you meet outside of this building. Ask them, hey, can I ask you a question? Are you a Jesus follower? And you watch where the Holy Spirit will take you in that conversation. You will be at the gates of their soul in two minutes. And when you are, you I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Just speak Jesus to them. Just say things, those irrefutable truths. Jesus loves you. Jesus cares for you. Would you like Jesus? Simple as that. And they may say no. Say, that's fine. God bless you. You're going to do great. God's going to show himself to you in the days ahead. And you leave it. You know, you're free of it. But you're going to be amazed. They're going to, some of them are going to say, what do I need to do? What must I do to know Jesus? I ask, Lord, for knowledge and flow and spirit to be upon everyone here. Lord, that over this next year, over 2021, that we will see hundreds of souls before we get to that new building, you know. Wouldn't it be fun to, fun to populate? Wouldn't it be fun the first day to not have enough seats? That would be, what's it going to see, like 700 or something? Yeah, pack that place out with new souls. What will that do to this church? Lord, I bless everyone to get energized by your spirit. And I thank you, Lord, for everyone in this room. I feel such a deep, I'm over time here, but I'm just really feeling a, a sense of courage that's rising up. People in this room, and if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to you. Sometimes you want, when I get this straight or that straight, I'll, I'll do those things. No, that's not the way it works in the kingdom. You actually do his purposes. Yield to him. And he's going to take care of your children. He's going to take care of that job. He's going to take care of that ornery boss that you have. He's going to take care of these situations. Seek first the kingdom of God. Awake, church. I bless you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Matt's going to come up, I think, here in just a minute. But I bless you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All this week, everyone here will feel the breath of God upon them. They will be energized by the Holy Spirit. They will open their mouths, and I pray, Lord, for fruit. I pray, Lord, for appetizers this week. That's going to encourage them to go for the full meal deal. Well, Lord, they're going to become people that distribute the very power of the Holy Spirit in people's lives all across the city. And may Winston-Salem come to know Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.